episode 281, What to Do When Best Practices Change. Hey y'all, welcome to the Empowering Educators Podcast. I am Gretchen, your host and expert lesson learner. I'm a national board certified elementary teacher turned teacher, trainer, and coach. All the lessons I've learned and am learning on my edgy journey, I share with you right here. From every silly mistake to the most glorious successes, you're going to hear stories and strategies that will inspire you to become your best. I have to warn you, as an educator, I can't help but hold you accountable for doing the work. So every episode, I leave you with practical, tangible next steps so you can implement your learning and maximize your impact. Whether you're teaching a lesson or learning one yourself, there's always a lesson if you're willing to pay close attention. Elite educators, that's the secret to staying empowered. Bring on today's lesson. Hey, Elite Educators, so good to be back on the mic talking with you today. I'm your host, Gretchen of Always a Lesson, and I strive to help you learn lessons faster than I had to learn them myself because I know that it allows you to catapult to your potential so much faster than I got to do it myself. So that is my way to pay it forward. I hope as you tune in and listen and learn your lessons, you pass on those nuggets of wisdom to other folks too. And that's how we keep this thing going. Well, I'm excited to talk to you today about what to do when best practices in education change. It's going to happen often during your career as an educator, and so it will help you know how to adjust when the time comes. First, though, happy belated Thanksgiving. I am certainly thankful for you, especially all the different countries that tune in and listen. You push me to be honest and vulnerable and really share everything that I'm learning and you're not holding it against me. So I do appreciate you for that. And also, if you celebrate Merry Christmas, this is airing all around that time. Double holidays back to back can be full of fun and family, but man, can they be exhausting. I hope you're joining me for the micro PD opportunity. I'm going to be sharing some good stuff about changing your coaching strategy with teachers as the year goes on. I used to have one strategy for the whole year and obviously that didn't work. So I'm going to be sharing all the tips and tricks there. There are lots of other educators who are going to be sharing everything they've learned in leadership, especially instructional coaching. So uh, check out the link in the show notes if you want to be able to binge those or watch them over the next six months whenever you have free time. And obviously I'm still sick, (laughs) but I am up walking around and feeling fine besides this cold. So you're going to have to just listen to this awful voice for now because I just don't know when we're ever going to get healthy. As soon as one of the kids is better, someone else goes down with something and it's the exact same thing in schools. We're at like 50% capacity because someone new is out each day (laughs) and it's driving everyone crazy. So please stay healthy. And the last little update is I'm still chugging along writing my book. It is for educators. They can use it as a roadmap for instructional strategies and knowing what to prioritize. Sometimes it can feel overwhelming. There's so many things I need to learn how to do as a teacher and and how do I know where to start? Well, there is a method to the madness, so I share that with you. But also if you're in leadership, if you have a mentee 
or if you have new colleagues on your team or you like to lead PD at your school or you're a coach or consultant or something, this book is helpful because it allows you to know where to hone in and help other people grow their craft. So it is going to be really fantastic released uh, in summer of next year. So just prayers and thoughts that I can make sure I am helping as many people as possible through the words in the book. All right, well, let's jump into what to do when best practices change. I always like to share with you the reason behind why I talk about the things I talk about. Well, there currently right now in the United States is this uproar about literacy instruction and what is best practices and what's best for kids. And science of reading is now the new focus. And anyone that was using Lucy Calkins or Fontes and Pinnell, guided reading, um, all of that was really lacking phonics instruction at least strong science-based phonics instruction and so there's a lot of hot water happening over here for the folks that design those programs because schools spent so much money buying all the things to do those and just to find out you know it's actually not what's best for kids and now schools are trying to figure out well what are we going to do and where do we need to put our money? And it really got me thinking, man, I feel like this happens a lot. I feel like curriculum is always changing and best practices are always changing, which is why it's so important we stay well-researched, well-read. Um, and it's whenever I have a guest on the show, I always ask them that. How do you stay current on, on what's happening in education, especially of what's considered a best practice? Because we do need a shift. We can't just get stuck in a rut and do the same old thing and, and have a bad habit. So I wish I could go back to the first few years of teaching and when I started all my leadership roles too. I, I want to redo it for the benefits of the students and the teachers. But when I'm being honest with myself, I wasn't doing something I knew was bad. I was doing what I knew to do. I was doing the best I could with the knowledge I had at the time. And so I can't hold this over my head saying, well, you know, you could have been a lot more helpful now than you were back then. Like, what am I going to do with that? You know, I didn't, didn't have the knowledge or the expertise. And that's, that's the whole journey of an educator. So we can't be upset with ourselves for doing what we were told to do, doing it with fidelity, only to find out it actually is, is not helping kids the way it said it was, and on and on. Research is going to continue to evolve. I mean, even when a new curriculum is adopted, you don't have the data yet. And so it takes a few years for them to see like, yeah, this is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's measuring the right things. It's helping students. And so we have to just be willing to say, I'm going to take the gamble. And if it doesn't show that it's working, then I'm willing to change. And and that's okay. And it's not a huge disservice to kids because we are doing it with best of intentions. What is a disservice is when we continue to do what we know is not a best practice. So I think if we come from a good place, we can forgive ourselves. And then we need to promise everyone we work for and work with that we're going to do better based on what the new current research says. You know, I did Fontes and Pinnell running records, and I did level reading based on those running records, and I did Lucy Calkins units of study for writing and guided reading and word work. Um, so I'm very guilty of <laughs> planning with a calendar planner that had the tiniest square, and I wrote the page number in for what I was doing, and I didn't have objectives or standards or any of the things we have to do now. I, so yes, I am guilty of doing things at the time that was the norm. And now I just can't even imagine <laughs> teaching in those ways. 
And so I just want you to have permission too to be like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Uh, thank goodness I've evolved and I promise to continue. And, and that's really all that we need to do in terms of staying current and making sure we have evolved so it's what's best for kids. So I wanted to spend some time talking about what to do when the best practice changes. Like I mentioned, it takes time to get the data, to even dissect it and decide if a certain program or curriculum is working. And then they might make a new claim. And so we'll have to supplement or we'll have to adjust a certain piece. But let me tell you, everything comes back around. And if you're anything in fashion, you know that because hello, bell bottoms and oversized t-shirts. I used to have a little clip on the size of my oversized t-shirts and thread the shirt through and make a little loop and headbands and high-waisted jeans and the holes and the ripped jeans, all the things. They have come back around. My mother was like, I should have just kept all my stuff as a teenager for when I was a teenager going through it. Um, and I was like, well, mom, I would prefer to get new versions of that. And now here I am like, oh, I could do the same thing with my kids. I'll just hold on to my clothes and I'm sure they're gonna love to wear it when they're older. <laughs> no, I'm joking. The whole point is things come back around. And so I'm sure as best practices fade out, we might actually realize we've gone to one extreme to the other and we need to pull back and do a mixture of the things, which is kind of where I and my heart of hearts believe great instruction is anyway, that it can't be to this and it can't be to that. It's got to be a mixture. And so I think some of the things that are coming out there, oh, this is not good for kids. Well, parts of it is. And we need to make sure we don't throw everything out, that we really look at each piece and say, is there something we can keep that makes sense? Or do we just want to write it out, see what the data says later, and not make a decision right now? Because we also don't want to make all these rash decisions and spend all the time training everyone on new stuff and then to find out like, well, actually, we probably need a little bit of what we used to do. And it's that that can be frustrating with all the changes. But I sure hope this podcast helps you reframe your mind and not get upset when changes come or that it was a best practice. Now it's not because that's not healthy. And our focus is then just on the frustration of education evolving rather than on, OK, let's pivot. Let's do it. Let's try it out. It's no big deal and um, spend more time in action than we are in frustration. So I thought I'd share with you five steps that you can follow when best practices change. So the first one is stay current on research. So listen to podcasts, read blogs, subscribe to magazines, any way that you can see what current research is saying. I've loved Twitter chats and being on Clubhouse chats because I know those folks are reading and they are well into the research and telling us what they're finding and it's interesting to see how things evolve and why things are considered a best practice and so um, those discussions are great but if you're not someone that loves research which I am not uh, find someone that you can talk to who loves it and then they can give you the cliff notes version that's what I do I surround myself with people smarter than me who love to stay current on research and then they just tell me what they find and I'm like great got it let's go <laughs> so decide what your game plan is going to be for staying current okay number two collaborate with colleagues so I was just mentioning having a tribe that you can talk to because sometimes I'm confused with what I'm hearing or I'm hearing 
you know, conflicting things. And I need someone to talk it out with and say, like, what's happening here? What, what does this mean? What does this mean? And sometimes it's there's just not enough data to support either one. And we just need to give it some more time. And other times it's, oh, that was false. Or that's what people are thinking. But we really have to dig in and look for ourselves, which is, I feel like is always the lesson I'm being preached, is you can't just read surface level stuff, you have to really dig in and say like, oh, I get why the hypothesis is this, or I get why they're now saying X, Y, Z. So find your people to share your knowledge and the research. And then more importantly, to talk through a plan, like what is your school doing to do this? Or what is your grade level doing to meet this? Because we're not alone. And it's helped for us to talk things through because I might not think of an obstacle and someone else did. And that saves me time because they've worked through it already. Or I might have a concern because I'm very logistically minded. And someone's like, oh, I never really thought that that might happen. And you're right. And so together, we're smarter. Uh, So we need each other just to swap information. But then we also need each other to problem solve and to share ideas and come up with a good strategy that we think will be a good fit. And then number three, we want to attend trainings. So we can't just read and say that we're up to date on things. We have to go to national conferences where they uh, by law are sharing what the current best practices are. And so that's a great place for you to meet real research people who uh, do it for a living and spend all their time and resources on making sure that they are watching how it's being implemented in schools and what is working, why it's considered best practice, why it's going to go the distance, uh, the do's and don'ts of how to implement it, things to think through, uh, all the things. And so these conferences are, are helpful for you to make sure you're in the right place to learn, that it's not just you and your friends talking at the water cooler uh, or an education, the copy machine. So uh, a training is, is important. We have to make sure we're not just listening and talking with our colleagues, but that we're going and, and being officially and formally trained on the new best practice. And so with that comes a cost, especially if it is talking about a curriculum or initiative, those are rarely free. So one thing to do is to be able to go to your principal and say, do we have some PD funds that you could sponsor us? Or you can do a GoFundMe and try and get other folks to fund you and your grade level or all the teachers in the school to go. But there are ways to not have to uh, flip the bill yourself. So definitely put attend trainings on your list. Number four, make adjustments swiftly and purposefully. So I don't want us to freak out and be like, well, it's not a best practice. I can't do this today in class. Well, we don't have to throw everything away. We have to decide what are we keeping? What are we changing? Be really intentional and purposeful with our instruction and make the adjustments as it makes sense to make them. And that's why it's a collaborative effort. If one classroom is starting to change and the others aren't, that's going to affect kids. So we want to make sure that we are all on the same plan and uh, implementing everything with fidelity. And then step five is request feedback. Whenever you're implementing something new, it's good to get feedback on how it went. Is this what in my mind I thought and interpreted it to go? Is this how I should implement it? 
And if not, what are you noticing? What do I need to continue to adjust? What could I do better? Are you noticing trends among different teachers? And what can we do to address those? So ensure that you're not just saying with your team or grade level or um, entire school, like, okay, we're going to make this shift. And then you just go do it. And you have no idea if you're doing it well. We want to ensure we're getting feedback. And then what's important, the leaders in the building need to make sure they've attended the trainings to know what it should look like in action. So when they give feedback, it's accurate. So all of us are in this together, making sure we know and understand what it should look like, sound like, feel like, all the things. So let's go over those five steps again. Number one, stay current on research. Number two, collaborate with colleagues. Number three, attend trainings. Number four, make adjustments swiftly and purposefully. And number five, request feedback. And just know this, change is going to come. It always does. So just expect it, be ready for it and adjust when it comes, but you got to keep moving. We can't sit there and beat ourselves up or sit there helplessly like, well, I don't know what to do now. You know, we have to just take a step forward, as scary as it might be, or as confused as we might be, we've got to be willing to just keep moving forward. Don't judge yourself or other people. Just do better each iteration that that you're starting to make those slight adjustments and promise I'm going to keep showing up with the best of intentions, doing what I know is best at the time. And when I find out it's not the best, I will make the changes because kids deserve it. And uh, they deserve someone who is going to take responsibility and take it seriously enough to make sure they are being taught correctly and effectively. So show up as your best for kids so you always serve them, even if the best practice changes. All right, Elite Educators, that's a wrap for this week's podcast on what to do when best practices change. Now go on and be great because you've just been empowered.